welcome to Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions. Today we're privileged to have with us the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host for the next hour. In case you're tuning in for the first time, welcome, and I want to give you a little uh, kind of little framework on how the show works. Basically, the Talent Talk Radio Show features a wide range of guests who care about talent and are uniquely talented themselves. So, in this show, we talk about talent in both those ways. First, as it relates to success and uncovering the secrets of really talented people, and second, we talk about talent in relation to human resources and how HR leaders find the best candidates today. Hopefully that makes sense, and you see how the word talent has a couple different meanings in the business world, and this show really looks to explore those two areas as best we can. My guests generally include CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR executives, coaches, consultants, and just a whole wide range of people from all different industries. Generally what happens is I'm out at networking events and conferences, and I have the privilege of meeting some really inspiring leaders all the time. Generally, I would seclude them in a corner and ask them a hundred questions and only I got to hear all their their great answers but instead we decided to create this show to let you listen on our dialogue and hopefully learn some practical advice that would impact your own career in a positive way. Before I get to my guest today I want to thank those of you tuning in live but don't forget you can also submit your questions via Twitter right now and my producer Mike uh, will try to feed me the best questions. You can also send suggestions and uh, guest suggestions or anything else you'd like to send our way. Just tweet us at, at peopleg 2 and use the hashtag TalentTalk. That's the little uh, pound sign in uh, TalentTalk. If you don't know what a hashtag is, you probably don't know what Twitter is either. But uh, at peopleg 2 Don't forget you can also listen to this show via our podcast on iTunes as well as Android or anywhere else you can pick up a podcast. And subscribe to have that weekly show sent to you with well over now 25,000 listeners to our podcast uh, each week. We're really excited to have you and uh, listen in uh, wherever you may be doing that. Generally, uh, the feedback we get is on the treadmill or in the car on the to and from work. So uh, if that's when you're listening, thank you. With that said, let's finally get today's show started. My guests today are Mark uh, Monaghan. I hope I'm saying that right. I feel like I'm saying it wrong, but I think it's right. Vice President of Corporate Training and Development at ICOR, and uh, Joe Bigley, Senior Vice President of Worldwide Operations and Business Execution for Development Entertainment Services Group. That might be a record for a business card. I don't know if he needs two cards there to fit all that in, but we'll ask him later on in the show. Because right now we're going to talk to Mark. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. How are you? Good. Did I screw up the, first, the last name, or did I say it correctly? Well, everybody leaves uh, the G in there. It's Monahan. Monahan. Yeah, I can always tell if somebody's trying to telemarket me or not. There, oh, hey, there you go. That's good. Well, I, I'll, have to, I'll have to bug my producer, Mike, to, to make sure he makes that note next time. But uh, Monahan, there we go. That, now that sounds right because I know you and I met out at the uh, conference in Vail, the HR.com conference. And uh, so we'll, we'll kind of get to, to, to some of that. But maybe let's talk a little bit about, tell our audience about yourself and, of course, your company. Sure. Uh, my name is Mark Monahan. I grew up in South Florida. Went to the University of Florida, got my undergraduate degree in telecommunications and film production. Worked uh, in the restaurant business through college and, and on be- beyond that. Uh, ended up being a managing partner for Outback Steakhouse. After 16 years in the restaurant business, I had my share of serving meals and, and the restaurant business. Took a step back and, and re looked at my career, went in another direction. 
went back to graduate school, got a dual master's in HR management and development, uh, became um, SPH certified, went to work for a, a, a tax company that was a, a growing tax company at the time. It's about 14, 15 years ago. That was J.K. Harris. Um, worked with there as, as their senior VP of HR, talent acquisition, and call center operations. Um, I live in Charleston, South Carolina. Beautiful Charleston is a, is a great place to live. I have two kids here, and I've been married for 14 years. Fantastic. Well, and, and you have a lot of experience in operations and HR, you know, over your career, as well as probably listening to griping customers about their steak not being cooked correctly. But, uh, you know, after 11 years, I think you left uh, J.K. Harris and moved over to IQOR, which is I-Q-O-R, in case yeah. anyone's uh, Googling that right now. But when walking into a new company, what are the first things that you tend to look for? Well, you know, I think that... Um, it's, it's really important to, to get to know the people, to come in as a, a sponge and build credibility. Uh, you don't want to walk in as a know-it-all or um, the new guy on the block that nobody gets along with. I think you really need to go in, and it doesn't really matter where you go. One of the greatest lessons I actually learned was uh, from Michael Koble, who is the former CEO of Outback Steakhouse International, as I was just beginning my management career in the Outback, he says, Mark, you need to come in here and you need to build credibility. You need to spend some time getting to know the business and the people before you start making changes. Of course, if there's something illegal, you have to address it right away. But you need to build um, that type of credibility. And I like to think that that's what I, what, what I do wherever I go. And I, and I like to think that's what I did two and a half years ago when I got the opportunity to start with i as well. So obviously every company has its own culture, but, you know, what were a couple of the things you noticed about the culture at your current company, i when you arrived, and, and what are the things that really drive it now? Well, it was change. They had, uh, um, they were, the same week I started, they were replacing the CEO. It's an interesting time to come in. Yeah. They had an interim, yeah. They had an interim CEO, and later they, uh, and, and within the last year, they have found their permanent um, replacement. And uh, the company had gone through um, several mergers and acquisitions. There was lots of different software platforms and technology that didn't all talk to each other. Um, departments had been moved around a little bit. Things were just kind of really starting to funnel. So I got to walk into a, a newer position as the uh, VP of – it was global training then uh, rather than corporate training. And uh, there was a lot of challenges. And it, just learning the systems and learning who to talk to and who is in charge of what and how to get things done. Because when you're global, it's not like you can just go into the, you know, the office and everybody's there. Everybody's everywhere. And um, so you really have to learn how to communicate, and, and that's through the phone and email. So you take those networking skills and you put them to, you know, to use, and you, and you build those bridges and bonds and, uh, and your credibility, and you work hard to get to know how the systems work. It was, it was a lot of that. You know, hopefully now – the difference is, is we've done a lot better job of recognizing those things and um, working on initiatives and HR initiatives to, to communicate better with the employees. We have um, the, the technology is not the issue anymore. Uh, we have recently merged again with another company, uh, AMS Aftermarket Services. That's a former Jable company, and they're not in the BPO call center world. They're in the refurbishing um, equipment world of, like, uh, direct TV boxes and tablets and phones. But a lot of the customers that they have are the same customers that we have on the other end of the spectrum. So it provides a very unique footprint for i So really, we're right in the midst of 
a lot of change, and, and it's actually a very exciting time to be here at i because we're growing so fast. Um, you know, we've got new teams. I, I just brought in new members of my team uh, from the leadership group at the other company, and they're joining ours as we try to, to merge these cultures into something that's going to be a really unique footprint. So you're bringing all those those different pieces together. Then what are the things that you're communicating now that are really important or specific about your culture to those people? Well, starting it's it's actually starting with our group. Um, uh, we have um, technology in place where people can you know not only get their emails but th- th- on their laptops uh, and on their workstations they have access to notes and memos and things that come down like that on a daily basis where they can go and they can pull that up and much of the culture is driven through that. Uh, but really, the message is of, of one coherent message. Our new CEO is is really about the people, and um, if we treat the people right. Everything else will fall in line, but it's also identifying who those people are and what their roles are. So a lot of it right now is focused on role definition um, and making sure that there's not duplication in the different companies and that we're all working towards, you know, one goal. And, of course, that's to make the client happy, but also to provide a workplace that allows people to excel in an environment that they enjoy, that they feel that they can grow in. So I think you do that in a lot of ways. You know, you do it through um, the way you review people, the way you compensate people, the way you treat people on a daily basis and how people treat each other. I think that's one of the, the things that I, I've always really enjoyed about i is it's a really friendly place to work. And you can't say that about all call center industry, you know, many places are not an enjoyable work environment, but this is. It's, it's really like a family in here. Yeah. And, and so, you know, if you compare where you're doing now with, you know, other places that you've worked and been involved in, how do you see the alignment of culture from top down and bottom up, you know, really coming into that success of the company? Well, you know, you know uh, Outback lived and breathed their culture and, you know, no rules just right. And we were, that was it. You came in there, we'd do anything that you, that you wanted as long as we could make it in the restaurant. Um, with J.K. Harris, it was led by one leader and it was just his vision. And in the end, that vision fell short, and he wasn't the right person to lead that company. With i it's, it's quite different. I mean, it's a much, it's the largest company I've ever worked for. You know, where I think we're at uh, 1.7 billion and, you know, over 32,000 employees. It's a, it's a, it's a whole other monster now, especially after the merger. It, it's really a top-down approach is, is, and authentic transparency in the leadership where you really feel that you can go in and have conversations. And you're, you know, it matters. And and this company allows you, um, they've hired you to 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 be the best that you can be at what you do, and um, they need good leadership. So if you're not afraid to step up and and maybe not afraid to make a mistake, because you feel like you're in a safe environment, uh, you can really make a difference. And it feels good to feel like what you do matters, especially from a training and HR standpoint, because people can take what what they get out of a good training program, and they can take it anywhere. They can build that toolbox that they'll need to move on. So from a training standpoint, we really, really try to um, instill not only in our trainers but in the people that we hire that this isn't just a J-O-B. If they, if they take this job seriously and grow with us, then it can really be skills that they can take on not only in their career but into their life. Right. Being in that great position that you're in with your company as the VP of Corporate Training and Development, how do you then effectively communicate the company's values to the employees, and and what do you do to ensure that it's really maintained? Well, I think that really starts from day one, and it also starts just in every interaction, um, from from the hiring process to the onboarding process. We've got a very robust global onboarding presentation that we do. Um, we'll onboard 
you know, hundreds of employees a month. Uh, so we try to keep that message consistent so there's, you know, maybe one person doing that, which is a challenge because you've got different time zones and, um, uh, you know, all over the world to coordinate that. It's really something. And then it's, it's working with the team that produces not only the materials but also enforces that, your HR department. Everybody's got to be in line so that there's a consistent message. If there's not consistency, then it's, it's going to fall apart. Um, so I think it's really making sure that you've done that and you've built um, different into different areas reinforcers that allow you to do that. So people feel comfortable uh, in asking you questions. And you know, some of our leadership courses, some of the stuff that you got to see when we were in uh, that we talked about when we were in uh, Vail about um, our leadership program and, and how it's growing and expanding and and what we focus on are the behaviors that drive KPIs. So it's it's building the lunch and learn so people can join in. It's the it's it's every component of what you're doing supports the overall theme and goal. That's how you reinforce that. What do you see or maybe what do your employees say, you know, when they talk about what's the best part about working in, in the environment that ICOR provides? You know, what, what are some of those things that they, you know, they talk about? I mean, some companies it's, you know, there's some cool part or there's a tech part or there's the, you know, there's lots of different things that, that really attract employees to, to companies. What, what do you think that they're, they're talking about or telling their friends about, about your environment at your company? I think it depends on which level you engage with because we've got, you know, multiple levels of, of people that, that work here. First, I think it would be opportunity. It's a lot more fun to work for a company that's growing and doing well right. than it is to be on the other side of that. So there's a lot of excitement. Um, on the call center perspective, uh, on the call center side, we really try to make the job fun. There's always contests and giveaways. And um, I remember one day I was out here in Charleston. We had a you know 60-inch TV we were giving away plus three or four others. We have clients on site that get involved in that. Um, so there's a, you know food trucks and make make the job fun. I think that that's what, probably what they like about it because sometimes customer service and, and working the phones and dealing with billing isn't always the most fun. So you've got to work hard on the on the environment side and the culture side to, to lift those people back up so they want to do this day in and day out. Right. Now, one, one question. Sometimes it's hard for companies, especially that are larger, that are growing uh, most importantly, is they can sometimes have a hard time evaluating what real success is inside the company because – you know, if you're growing and their department grows and they meet their goals, you might say that's success. But that may have happened no matter who was, I mean, not anybody be sitting in that chair, but most people they may have hired could have been sitting in that chair and that would have happened because of the overall larger initiatives within a company. So do you have more granular, smaller ways that you evaluate success sort of despite where the, what the company is doing on a more individual level? Well, a couple of things that we look at, because we're actually studying a lot of that right now. We've got a, a, several initiatives starting this year that are, are going to be um, far-reaching and, and far more long-term. Uh, term. And it, it's really listening to what's out there, not thinking that you know all the answers. So one of the things that you, know, you can take a look at is we've looked at attrition and why people are try, trying to figure out, uh, you know, is it uh, voluntary or involuntary? Of course, going down to uh, voluntary, why people decide to leave. I think it's a really uh, is a big opportunity to to see where we're at. We have an employee feedback process where we it's kind of like the Q12 um, uh, survey, but it's our own version. It's not 12 questions. It's just it's six, and uh, but it goes out to everybody and it goes down to department level. So uh, you can see what every supervisor, what every employee feels about. Um, 
about their manager, and it goes up. Your manager's on managers, and, and that we go through that a couple of times a year. It's kind of a 360 feel to it, but it gives you an opportunity to address that in our reviews, whether they're monthly, quarterly, uh, yearly, or bi-yearly. Um, there is a cool and uncool process that the company has put together where you can, if you're uncool with your review, you have an opportunity to click that. There's absolutely no repercussions. The, the manager doesn't know that you've clicked the uncool. And somebody from senior management is brought in to, to counsel uh, that particular employee to find out what went wrong and, and what was the issue. And I'm, I'm, I'm typically one of those referees that does that um, every quarter for our agents. And, in fact, just this last one, um, I had somebody in my office who was just an agent on the floor, came in. She was scared to death when she got called to my office and uh, got her in here, let her know it was a safe zone. She told me that she thought that her manager had made a mistake uh, in the metrics that he had put in and that she really didn't deserve the rating that she did. Many people say that, but I, I didn't take it for granted. I checked, and in this case, that was actually it. So she was, we were actually able to change her rating. And um, so I think, you know, taking that, and you put all those things in there, and you're talking to the people. You're hearing what they have to say. You can't sit in your office with the door shut. So we're not in one office in, in uh, you know, New York. Many of the people in the talent department and other parts of the company are, you know, out in the center. So they have a, a pulse on what's going on out there because you've got to be there. Additionally, most of the people at ICOR have worked their way up. Um, they've done that job. They know what it's like. And they've built, you know, you'll see people 14, 15, 20 years here at ICOR uh, from a management perspective. So, um I think you measure it, if you're looking for non-traditional ways to measure it, I think those would be some of the ways that we, we can do that and maintain that at the same time. And I know we, we talked to someone a couple of weeks ago that was doing a, what they called stay interviews. So in some cases they were interviews with people who were leaving to see if there was things they could do to get them to stay or at least hypothetically if they were going to stay, what would need to change? And, and you know that was, can get some great feedback that way uh, or even for people who aren't asking to leave, just to say, if you were going to leave, what, what would you had needed to stay? And uh, we're seeing you know, companies starting to do more of that to get that great feedback because, like you're right, as they leave, uh, you, you could be missing out on someone. When the company's in this great stage of growth, if you're missing smaller details and not keeping great people, you could have a problem. And it sounds like maybe you did a, a great thing with, um, with, that, with that person you had involved to really uh, – you know, fix that problem, and if you can, you can multiply that across your organization. That could be huge, huge from a culture standpoint, huge from a cost saving standpoint, huge from a, you know, not losing, uh, you know, that the overall uh, kind of intelligence within the organization. It sounds like a great thing you guys are doing. Well, it's, it's it's like that company that you just mentioned that did the the stay interview. Obviously, they care about their employees, and you know, when a company gets big like this, it's easy to lose sight of that. But it's really about that. Our frontline managers who manage our agents drive our business. So if, if we lose sight of the fact that that's how it works or we're not the kind of manager or senior manager that cares about that, this isn't the kind of business for you. In fact, I would argue that no business is the kind of business for you if that's how you manage your people. Um, but it's something that we really focus on, and we try you know, our hardest to have transparent leadership. Mm-hmm. Well, I know one of the toughest things over the last several years that a lot of HR people have been talking to us about is really being able to recruit top talent. You know, a lot of the, the people who they really wanted were, were locked up or, you know, they were getting thrown a lot of money at them to stay and a lot of the you know the people they were getting in, in the door really weren't qualified or weren't the right fit for them. So 
what are some of the things that you do to develop that aspect of your job? It sounds like there's a lot of upward mobility in your company, which maybe you could mm-hmm. talk about a little more. But you know, how do you actively encourage those employees to to deal with those opportunities and yet still find great people to bring in the door? Well, we, you know, one thing is is we've got a a, a great referral program with Icor mm-hmm. called Trip, and uh, we get cash payouts for people that we bring in. Um, based on the level and how long they stay. We don't do a lot of advertising like most companies our size. Some 60% of the people from 40 to 60%, depending on where you're in the world, can come through this process with the feeling that somebody you know is probably, you're not going to bring in somebody that isn't good. I was actually brought in that way myself, um, and, and many of the people in this particular center were as well as the company. So I think that's one way you do it. We've, we've been growing, so uh, through mergers, you, you kind of, you know, after the shakeout is done, you tend to end up with the best people. So there's been some of that. I think the other thing, you know, that's a real challenge is when you're out there trying to find the right match, there's a lot of people on paper that might look like they're the right match. But I think it's far more difficult to find somebody that's a good fit. You know, whether you're using some kind of personality assessment or panel interviews or even have that person come in and spend some time in the business to get to know them, I think that that's where people, that's where you really need to focus, especially more up the food chain you go. Uh, You get somebody in there that's not the right fit, and it is going to be difficult to move forward. Right, right, absolutely. And so you're finding, let's say from the employee referral side of it, that, that, that mm-hmm. let's put that aside. Are there any other things that you're doing that are kind of unique for your company and, and to get the, the other 40% in the door? Well, I mean, right now we've got great word of mouth. I mean, a lot of things are happening at ICOR. Uh, you know, we've been in the paper a lot. We've had people contacting us, which is a great place to be. Um, and, and, you know, the, the company will, you know, if there is a specific position that needs to f- be filled, we'll go and work for the back end of recruiting. We have recruiters that work for the company just like they do for Monster or Career Builder that are able to go in, identify the right talent, and go after that talent. Um, and that would be based on what they do and their background and whether they're a good fit or not for a particular position. We've, we've recently filled a couple of spots just like that. And it was a mixture of identifying the core competencies that were needed for a specific position, communicating that to the recruiter and that to the team, and also seeing who knows those particular people so you could establish a relationship to see if there's interest uh, and, and if that was an open door or not. Well, and it sounds like a lot of the things that you're, you're doing are right on key and right on target. So, um and I know when I met you in Vail, I was certainly impressed by you, and it's like a very intelligent and, and, and personable person. And I'm guessing you're going to have a great answer for my next question. Which no, no, no pressure at all, right? Uh, so what book are you reading right now? Well, I just finished one uh, over the weekend, um, Bring Out the Best in Every Employee mm-hmm. by Don Brown. Um, it focuses on uh, different types of management techniques and leadership techniques, how to be a good leader on the floor. He's coined a, uh, a no-normal workplace environment. That's what he's calling this because we have so many new generational challenges between the different X and Y and uh, baby boomers and what's happening and all the different needs. It also talks about um, the empathy drop. Now that the younger generation is, you know, text-oriented, and, uh, you know, instant gratification. Everybody's famous on Facebook. Everybody gets a trophy. When they hit the real life and they get out of college, it's not like that. And we're desensitized by the media uh, and the different things that are out there. He, he, he coins this book called Bowling Alone. There's more people bowling now than ever before, but they're bowling by themselves and not in teams. Mm-hmm. So you've got a completely different dynamic. It's not that we've created this 
new narcissistic society. It's just that it's uh, with with the empathy drop, you can you can help people with empathy. It's not that they're narcissists, but it's society's sort of promoting that right now. And as a manager and how to develop people, how do you do that? And the book has a lot of tools in it and um, a lot of great stuff on first recognizing it and looking at stats and numbers and and things that you can do to to work around that. Well, it sounds like a great book, and I'm sure our audience would love to check it out. And just a reminder to everyone listening, we, we do post that into our uh, updates on the blog at peopleg2.com and click on the blog, and we'll have uh, Mark's uh, up, kind of a show summary up there in a few weeks, and we'll have uh, his the book he listed there as well. Uh, last question, because we're running out of time here, is how can people uh, find out more about your company if they want to come work there or, or uh, anything else? Sure. We've got a great career site on our website. has all the positions posted at www.iqor.com. And uh, if anybody had any specific HR questions or training or leadership things that they're out there and they wanted to, to share best practices, I believe my email address will be on your site as well. But it's mark.monahan at icor.com. Fantastic, Mark. Thank you so much for being our guest on the Talent Talk radio show. It was a Real pleasure having you, and we look forward to maybe having you come back at some point and give us an update on how you're doing. That'd be great, Chris. Thanks, buddy. All right. Joe Bigley is coming up next after we take a quick commercial break. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast of this show and listen to past shows by uh, either visiting octalkradio.net and clicking on the Shows tab uh, and finding Talent Talk, or you can go directly to talenttalkradio.com, and all of them are uh, listed there. Uh, In the short time uh, we've existed, we've already amassed a huge following, as I mentioned, uh, well over 25,000 regular weekly uh, listeners. And we really appreciate you, and thank you for uh, tuning in each week. My next guest is uh, Joe Bigley, the SVP of Worldwide Operations and Business Execution for Deluxe Entertainment Service Group. Don't forget to tweet your questions live right now for Joel by sending them to at PeopleG2 and using that hashtag TalentTalk. Joel, welcome to the show. 
Hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well. Glad to have you here. Maybe you could tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your company, uh, Deluxe Entertainment Services Group. Okay, cool. Thanks for having me on. Deluxe Entertainment uh, is the leading provider of basically a broad range of entertainment industry services and technologies to the worldwide entertainment industry, including Hollywood studios, broadcast, cable, satellite providers, digital distribution, gaming, as well as content owners and creators. Their services for content creation and features, television and commercials are offered in production, post-production, digital distribution, marketing services, and uh, asset management. Uh, they include digital intermediaries, post-production and subtitled services, titles design and digital visual effects, DVD and Blu-ray compression, encoding and authoring, advertising distribution and syndication services, digital cinema services, and uh, 2D to 3D conversion. Our uh, post-production facilities are located in North America, Europe, and Australia. Uh, Deluxe Media, the division in which I work, offers home entertainment services in North America, Europe, and India. My responsibilities lie in a number of support functions and in the media production group which I lead that largely produces content for DVD, for Blu-ray, and digital distribution to portals and broadcasters everywhere. Well, that's quite a list. I might have been shorter to ask you what you guys don't do. I mean, it sounds like quite quite a bit of incredible things. I know you guys are a you know, really big provider, big company. Uh, and, and what about yourself? Tell us a little bit about you uh, personally, uh, things that maybe our audience might be interested in. Well, um, with regard to how things work around here, I mean, we definitely are living on the edge, and the key is is not to fall off. So one of the things is to make sure that you have, um, you know, the best people working for you. And I can tell you that I have a great uh, group of people that work for me. They're very passionate about their work, and it's all about excellence for them. Uh, they're very successful in all the things that they do. Uh, it, in a way, it's simple. The challenge is to deliver a perfect product on time at a cost that includes a margin 24 hours a day, but on the other hand, it's also pretty complex and intense. Uh, it's a very fast-paced environment, and it has infinite product variation. But uh, to be successful, you need to be definitely very aware of what's going on around you, uh, whether it's uh, things that are happening internally or things that are happening externally. And you have to be very proactive to deal with you know, the obstacles that come along and need to manage a team at a very high energy level. And... Uh, you know, we've been successful because of because of those things. So, you know, as a person in charge of worldwide operations and business execution, what what do you see as the most difficult challenge you have when it comes to really managing the talent around you to make things function at a high level? I mean, you talked about kind of their commitment to excellence. But how how do you really do that? Yeah, well, as I mentioned, it's it's about being aware of uh, what's going on, and it's about being aware of what's coming at you because. The amount of chaos that can happen is very high, and the chance to get off track is is definitely there. And being able to have uh, high-caliber people that you trust that will keep you informed, but also that will take take direction and that will uh, work very closely with you and be transparent and basically all work together to achieve the goal. Uh, that's that's really a key. So having having great people is really really important. You know, and, and, and people really make up the kind of the heart and soul of your company and in many, many cases your culture. Now, most companies actually have a pretty terrible company culture despite what they might tell everyone else. Uh, it's only really some of the best companies that have figured it out and how to do it right. But 
to add even to the level of complexity on top of just having a great company culture to then add on an international component, which your company has, and you start adding in different cultures as well into that framework. How do you, how do you, how do you face that challenge on a daily basis, and what are some of the things you do to make sure people are integrated not only you know, here domestically but also you know, working around the world? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the key is having a cohesive team and a clear understanding of of really what the goal is. And like I said, I have a great team that reports to me. They communicate frequently. They're transparent. They're not afraid of a challenge. They all understand basically the appropriate level of service, both internal and external. They strive for excellence every day. And also there's an energy around sharing because each person can benefit from the other person through that transparency. Additionally, um, they stay in sync with each other, and everyone takes responsibility for the overall situation, not just their own area. So if somebody's having a problem, somebody else will pick them up. They have an aggressive attitude. Uh, They do stay ahead of the curve. They're positive about uh, results, and uh, they encourage each other. The leadership culture is what drives the company culture, and that goes all the way down the line, and it's very important. So okay, so you could really framing it as a leadership culture. Uh, that that's great. So, wh- what are some of the ideals then within that framework that are shared within your company that help to keep it successful? So the key ideal really is excellent service, and this isn't easy. And you know we do fail occasionally, but we respond and we get back up on our feet very quickly. Obviously, you want to be very uh, proactive and, and you want to be able to predict where some of the issues are and avoid those failures. Another ideal basically is being on time. We understand that our clients have a timeline that they have to meet, and we have to hold this uh, really with great respect and do whatever it takes to make sure that we don't compromise our customers' uh, timelines. And I think the third key value basically is is meeting or exceeding our clients' expectations on quality of product. Being excellent in everything we do drives the way we think and the way we work. Is that also how you evaluate success then of the company and your staff and even yourself, or are there other factors as well that go into evaluating success? Yeah, I think there's some other related factors. For example, uh, success is when we're able to invest back into the company and into our people. Uh, we're not a company really without our people. They make it all happen. And success is knowing that the team made something impossible happen, knowing that you basically performed a, a miracle. It's knowing that your customer was surprised at what you were able to pull off. Um, I think getting applause from a client makes everyone's day. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's it's basically seeing changes happen for the better. But it has to be, uh, these changes have to happen basically at a, at a suitable rate. It's when I see people energized, aware, and excited about where we're going. It's uh, basically when I see an organization moving forward and doing good things. So do you feel like the alignment of success and culture in your company is, is doing well and, and is an important factor, or do you feel like you still have more room to grow then? Well, yeah, everybody has obviously room to grow, but, but, yeah, culture and success are linked, and they have to be aligned. If success is measured by excellence, for example, then the culture has to be one of excellence, too, so they're connected. But, obviously, excellence must be clearly understood, and if it's not, then that makes it difficult to to make that linkage clear. When they are in sync, it's really a beautiful thing, but when they're not, there is a lot of dissonance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can really get to be difficult and hard to, to even move the – Move the ball one yard, you know, to use the football analogy. So, when mm-hmm. everyone is on the same page. So, you know, from a from a leadership development perspective, what are some you know executives missing when it comes to developing employees as leaders that maybe you see happening in other companies? 
Yeah, well, there's a number of opportunities, and, and the opportunities are here as, as well as in, in other places. And you know, this is just from my perspective. But I think, you know, first, I think we can improve in terms of listening actively. I think um, this is not really very common. Exit, uh, executives need to solicit information. They need to role model this for other leaders, and they need to expect it from their reports. Many leaders don't know the details several levels down because, they don't they don't listen and i think uh, another key item for leaders is to provide tools and skills for problem solving if problems can't be discovered and solved where they happen if it happens it'll encourage self direction and, and robust solutions at the right place solving a problem at a higher level may result in a patch rather than a solution and i'd suggest a third is um decision making skills if you have trusting relationships and you have transparency values and a goal, you should be able to make a good decision and set the direction. I'd also suggest, too, that um, an important item is just respect and respect for for everybody that you work for, where there's respect, you're able to tap into the potential of a leader underneath you, and there's basically honor in your actions with each other. There's really no place for scapegoating or blaming. It's better just to deal with the issue because Disrespect takes the wind out of everybody's sails, and uh, ego doesn't really help when it comes to the pursuit of excellence. Well, so it's certainly some great advice, and especially looking at how you can implement some of those things within your company uh, and comparing yourself to other companies. If we may want to take a moment here, though, too, I also want to go a little bit deeper into what make, makes you tick. Uh, you know, you're a successful guy working in a successful company, and I'm sure people like to also like to know the personal side of it. So. Do you think there's a specific skill or technique that really contributes to your role, but maybe you had to work on over time that, you know, wasn't something natural that that came to you? And if there was, you know, how did you get there? Yeah, there's there's always uh, the uh, opportunity to grow and improve and to learn from your mistakes and to sort of recalibrate. One of the things that I really enjoy doing is I enjoy organization-wide transformation projects, and I've done quite a few of them uh, all over the world. Uh, transforming an organization and leaving them in a sustainable state is something that I enjoy. Uh, these projects are typically related to that I do that are typically related to like significant expansions, uh, renewals, greenfields, recoveries, integrations, um, acquisitions, and so on. And I enjoy the cultural aspects as well and meeting expectations within a short time frame. I think uh, extreme situations are challenging, and I use them to hone my change management skills. So that was something maybe you you weren't comfortable with when you at the beginning of your career. Do you feel like that was something you you kind of really developed and grew into then? Absolutely. And with every uh, event, with every situation, you learn more about you know how could I have done this faster? How could I have been more effective in uh, accomplishing the goal? How could I have read the culture a little bit better and uh, responded in a in a more efficient way? So yeah, you learn every time you try. Well, one of our uh, favorite questions to ask our guests, uh, because we get so many great answers out of it, and our really our audience respond to it so much. What book are you reading right now, and can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, I'm currently reading a book about uh, public policy, and it's a little bit diff- uh, out of the my comfort zone, if you will. But uh, often this is the area of public policy is overlooked, and uh, maybe even be 
considered boring. Uh, I think it's interesting to look at issues in depth to see what's under the surface. A lot of times you, you don't get a more in-depth view on an issue. And understanding what it takes to get legislation through Congress, for example, is uh, very interesting. And uh, these policies make a very big impact on our country, and so we should be, we should be interested in them. It's, uh, and do you know what, what's the, uh, the title of the book? It's just called American Public Policy, and uh, there's several books, obviously, that you can buy on the, on the topic, but uh, uh, it's uh, just a, a compendium of various policies and where they are in terms of legislation mm-hmm. and how they've, uh, you know, their current state and how they're getting through Congress. That sounds very interesting. So, you know, if you, as you look back over your career or even, you know, through your life, who would you say is there maybe a specific person or a couple people who had the most kind of profound impact on your overall leadership development? Yeah, that's a good question. I really liked the uh, management style of my my father. He had uh, responsibility over multiple sites. He created trust and self-directedness. He spent considerable time influencing basically the thought processes of leaders at those at those different sites. He also had a calm demeanor in times of crisis. He was able, you know, therefore to take time to understand the facts around the situation so that it could be improved. He constantly was uh, working himself out of a job. He would he would talk about that frequently. And this enabled him to scale with respect to his responsibilities. And he was always uh, in a growth mode and, and was quite creative in many of the things that he did. He uh, had a a gift of uh, thinking outside the box, especially when it came to growth opportunities for the organization. Uh, And I can't tell you how many people have mentioned a a parent on this show when we've asked that question. It's amazing what an incredible impact that that parents seem to have had on so many of the leaders that we talked to today, uh, having them involved. And sometimes it was one, sometimes it was both. Um, and, and probably about 50-50 between uh, fathers and mothers. It's been very interesting. One question I, I had for you, if you if you want to, you might take a moment. It wasn't one that we uh, we talked about ahead of time, but uh, my my uh, controller here, the guy who runs our uh, our studio here, really wanted to know uh, as Hollywood moves to a more digital production, how does that affect your core uh, color processing business? Well, yeah, that's a good question because <laughs> as the quality of the picture gets better uh, better and better and as there are more pixels to look at, the quality of the of the the picture becomes much more important. You're able to see things that you were not able to see before. So, not only the colorization but also some of the restoration processes mm-hmm. are really important because now there's there's more on the screen that that you didn't see before. Right. Oh, definitely. And it's been amazing sometimes. And I, you see people in high definition, even, and you think maybe they should not be in high definition. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> sometimes details a little too much. <laughs> exactly. Kind of getting back to the topic. You know, what do you see some of the biggest challenges in recruiting the top talent for your company? You talked about some of the great people that you have and doing this really important work and drive for being successful and kind of over. Uh, delivering for your clients and doing it on a great timeline, but how do you really recruit those top people to your company? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. I think that um, it's important to hire for 
behaviors first. I think skills can be more easily taught than behaviors can. And, and depending on where the company is in terms of their life cycle and the function, certain behaviors are more desirable and other behaviors are less desirable. But I think first you should identify what those behaviors are and then you should try to find candidates through you know a rigorous interview process that match those behaviors. And one of the biggest challenges also uh, with regard to getting talent is is that interview process itself and having a good interview process that reveals those behaviors. Yeah. And so once you get those people on board, then and maybe they have the right uh, skill set and the right framework, but then how do you encourage them to really develop their own talent to become better with their own work and to become better within your organization, whether that means upward mobility or more responsibility or just, you know, maintaining that, that sense of excellence that you want in those projects you're delivering? I think everybody has at least one talent, and typically there are several, but a lot of times there's a dominant one. And oftentimes, and it's a bit of a tragedy that we don't discover what those talents are and we don't uh, put them in a place where they can leverage them. So it is important to discover uh, your own talents. It's important to discover the talents of other and other people and then help help yourself to grow your own talent and help others as well. And you have to take risks. You have to be aggressive in areas where uh, maybe you can practice that talent. You have to learn from others uh, who have that, the same talent. You have to be mentored and be willing to to be mentored and, and uh, see what other people are doing because this will give you a chance to apply your talent and develop it. I'd also suggest that people listen to the advice from others who have used their talent and succeeded. Uh, it's important to see how you can apply what, what you've learned to test it out, see if it's valid for you. As a leader, you should give other people the opportunity to use and develop their talents. Put them in positions where they can leverage their own potential and learn what they can do. It's more uh, it's more than what they think. Uh, pick them up when they fall. Don't discourage them or make them a scapegoat when things go wrong. And after you make a mistake, you're in a better position to be successful because you, you have the opportunity to learn from it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fantastic advice. And, Joel, uh, I really appreciate you uh, being our guest today. Uh, with the voice you have, you could probably come and take my job anytime you wanted it. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you have my a pleasure. Yeah, good radio voice there. So uh, the last question I have for you uh, is how can people uh, learn more about your organization or about you if they're interested in doing that? Our organization is, is obviously on the, on the web, and we have a website uh, for Deluxe called buydeluxe.com. Um, so very easy to go there and see our website. In terms of uh, connecting with me, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Joel, J-O-E-L, underscore Bigley, B-I-G-L-E-Y, and that's a good place to find me. Well, uh, wonderful. Again, I really appreciate you being on the show, and we'd love to uh, have you come back and give us an update on how you're doing and how your company's doing. Cool. My pleasure. All right. That's about all the time we have today. Thank you again to my guest, um, Mark Monahan, I left out the G that time, and uh, Joel Bigley. Tune in next week at the same time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, to hear Michael Brainerd, the owner of uh, Brainerd Strategy, and Dean Manzuri, Vice President of Global Cloud Communications at uh, Macergy. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions. 